Jason Meister? That was your best creepy, spooky voice. It's Halloween Ever. time. Thank you. Now do a scary laugh, a creepy laugh. Okay, that one needs to work. You're not scaring anybody with that. You do it. Okay, okay. Oh is that Sarah Price? I was going to say, is that Sarah Rice or Vincent Price? But your names are like the same. Oh my God. Sarah Rice, Vincent Price? It's Sarah Price. <laughs> now that's a Halloween costume. Right. Oh my God. Welcome. Don't scream. Uh, Don't move. It's time for the Brain Candy Podcast. You're so much weirder than I even realized. <laughs> so weird. And then as soon as I give you the opportunity, I know. You turn into like Phoebe Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so excited because it's Halloween. I know. Welcome to this very spookalicious, delicious episode 164 mm. of the Brain Candy Podcast. I would like to kick off this show by uh saying that I thank you all who sent in ghost stories. Oh, yes. I submitted uh, a little, or I posted a thing on social media and told people to send in their ghost stories. So we're going to go over some of those fantastic tales. Um, But first, let's do some regular stuff. I know, this is spooky. What? Uh, This happens periodically. Like once or twice a year, you hear about somebody who's close relative died and then they lived with the dead body you know those people well i don't know those people but i've seen enough episodes of creepy mm-hmm. shows and stuff yeah is like, this an article that recently came out yeah i swear the news gets all their ideas from american horror story or vice versa <laughs> yeah but didn't this just come out it came yeah, i guess the a article? couple weeks ago yeah and the episode that had the dead bodies like just came out a couple weeks ago. Well, that's the thing. I'm saying I think this is not that unusual. (gasps) Like this guy's mom died. She was 94 and he was super sad about it. So he lived with her dead body and then his twin brother died and he lived with- how long though? Well, the mom died and then a couple months later, the brother died. He lived with both And he lived with them for about a year. (gasps) No, 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 no. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is so creepy, Suze. Mm-hmm. Susan. One of them was mummified. The brother was mummified, whatever that means. What does that mean? Does that mean they, like, wrap them up in plastic wrap? Or, like, or, like, mummy bandages. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But here's the thing. You have an issue, the smell. Sure you do. And rotting, decomposing flesh. Uh-huh. So what, how... I forget what they said the state of you... the mom was, but she was not mummified. She was decomposed. Yeah. How do you mummify somebody? This guy had I'm to do some you, research. He went to CVS and got like those big round ace bandages. <laughs> but there <laughs> needs to be an actual... You can't just wrap no, somebody. I, I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he bought like, what do they get? Like embalming fluid? What if he put him in a gigantic... Air vac, one of those vacuum sealers. You know how you save leftovers? Right. Yes. You just slipped them into an air, air vacuum. Like a Reynolds. I have one yeah. made by the Reynolds company. If they got a, one big enough for a turkey, you just got to go a few feet longer <laughs> for a human body. It's so sad, though, because he's um, a janitor, this fella. 
And Ooh, here's what was interesting. a little bit low IQ, lower IQ. He even said, like, I'm not a crazy person. I was just really sad. And I yeah. really was sad about losing my family. And um, what's interesting is they decided to charge him with a misdemeanor of um, moving the mm-hmm. body. Yeah. And because once a body is dead, you're, you're supposed to, like, call the authorities, obviously. But he moved it. And so they just did that as a way to ensure that he would get the help that he That's needed. Good. And they even said that. They're like, we just we didn't want to charge him with anything, but we wanted him to get help, so we had to charge him with something so that he'd been, be in the court system. Mm-hmm. Because this guy just had a broken heart. Well, and grief does weird things Crazy. to people. It, grief is so powerful that when you're diagnosing somebody, when somebody comes in and they are experiencing any kind of abnormal symptoms... You can't even diagnose them if it's within a certain amount of time after the death right. of a loved one because this could be just a symptom of the grief mm-hmm. that they don't know how to deal with. Yeah. And more often than not is. Right. I feel bad for the guy. I mean, I don't love anybody enough to live with their dead body. Well, my my aunt was telling me that... And my, both my mom, my grandma and my uncle passed away within about six months of each other. And both my mom and my aunt said that they knew that they were able to let go and like they stayed with the body for a little while. But my aunt even said that the smell was gone, like how she always knew what my uncle smelled like. And then he didn't smell like, he just smelled not like the same anymore. And she said that's when I, I knew it was like, time to wow like his essence it was like gone she said she felt it leave and then she gave him like and just how she normally would give him a hug and it didn't smell like him oh dang i but then start smelling like other stuff you leave it for too long um gonna change the subject and this is actually oh i you know how we talked about on our conspiracy theory episode about the denver airport Yes, I sure do. Let's revisit that. Please, let's. What do you got? Okay, well, so we talked about it, and you were like, Suze, it's creepy. People think, like, whatever. But then I really looked into it, and I'm like, no, it really is super creepy. Uh, uh, Thank you. And then the other thing that's super creepy, Suze, is anytime there's a natural disaster, where does the president end up? Right. In frickin' Denver. And then they will say something like, oh, he just is accidentally there for... He's never accidentally there for anything else. It's always around a disaster what's and with something that? that's like an emergency because there are there is something built under that ground that is secret des- secret whether it's designed to either keep people in or keep people out or s- withstand serious uh uh i don't know whatever like impact or yeah. nuclear fallout i don't freaking know but <clears throat> What did you find out and why well, do you so think it's creepy? Because I love that you're now on board this conspiracy because I'm telling you, this is one. But on the on the one hand, it's like, okay, so the artwork is super creepy. Mm-hmm. Like they have really weird apocalyptic really weird. artwork of like a Nazi with a machine gun shooting a peace dove and little kids dead or asleep on the, all this weird art. And you wouldn't think that someone would want to put that in the airport. Then they have a plaque that's, the airport is dedicated to like the new world. New world order. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. And the Mason, the Freemasons. Yeah. Yeah. And they got all those fucking weird symbols all over the place. Yeah. And here's what the weird thing is though. Look at this. 
freaking out. But if you were going to do a secret thing, bunker or whatever, why would you te- like make all these signs? Wouldn't you make it as not obvious as possible? Or maybe you do the other thing where you just are... Go full throttle. Go full throttle. And then <laughs> it's so weird. They're like, there can't be a bunker here. That's just people... And, like, the the airport is vaguely similar to a swastika in its construction. Like, if you look at it from uh, I aerial. I that. Yeah. And, like, it's the largest airport in the U.S. Mm-hmm. for no reason. No reason. Like, they had a perfectly fine airport, and then they're like, you know what? We're going to make this bigger. And every, all the taxpayers were like, why? And there's all this stuff underground that they're like, oh, those are just abandoned... Uh, v- Baggage. Lug- ba- yeah. Fuck that no. lame ass excuse. Weird. You don't weird. need no baggage to be redirected two miles out into the middle of the mountains. Yeah. It's something secret. Mm-hmm. You know what's not a secret? What, Sus? How much I love La Tote. That is no secret. And not only do I love it, but every single person walking down the street who then has to stop me and say, <laughs> where did you get that? I went to an open house because the next door neighbors are selling their house. Oh, yeah. I walked right in and the real estate agent... After she knew I was the next door neighbor, so she knew I wasn't going to buy the house. She wasn't trying to just suck up to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, I have got to know where you got that outfit. Wow. And then I gave her a tour through LaTote's website. <laughs> it's LaTote is a personalized box of brand name rental clothing and accessories that are sent right to your door. They have all kinds of brands, Nike, Rebecca Minkoff, Olivia Culpo. And it's perfect for if you're expecting. They have maternity totes. It allows you to have all different clothes. Like if you Instagram a dress, I mean, lights out on that dress. You're not going to wear it 15 more times. So La Tote lets you replace your clothes over and over again in the month. And you can rent up to $300 worth of clothing and accessories for this low price. And it's super easy to use too. And it's fun to pick out the stuff on, on the website. Um, go to latote.com, that's L-E-T-O-T-E.com to get started for as low as $59 a month. Enter promo code BRAINCANDY at checkout to get 50% off your first month. Once you sign up, you'll receive a completely customized tote within days. Choose between one or unlimited totes a month. Just wear what you want. Return everything in the mail when you're done. It's that easy. Enter your code BRAINCANDY and feel fabulous with fashion delivered right to your door. Cute. Fabulous. Uh, Yeah, so the Denver airport, something's freaky Mm. is going on there. And I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. I can't Uh, wait till I convince you that every other conspiracy theory I think is. uh Uh-uh. That's right where I'm drawing the line. For today. (laughs) For today, anyway. Um, Did you tell me that there were horror stories or or ghost stories that our readers... And our listeners, listeners yeah. li- readers, our well, listeners, well, they read the, the newsletter. That I'll thing. read you some of them. Okay. This one, <laughs> I like this one from Carolyn. Now, here's what happened. In, her, in Carolyn's early 20s, the old man next door died. Okay. And then soon after, her house became haunted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As it does. Mm-hmm. The best part, she said there were a lot of things going on, but the freakiest was when I woke up to something rubbing my butt. Nope. Nope. <laughs> well, or, or yes. Or yes. She, I mean, <laughs> she thought it was her dog mm-hmm. for a while, and then she was like, wait, my dog's right here by my head. <laughs> and then she felt something now more aggressively rubbing her butt. Oh, my God. Her next-door neighbor was an ass man. <laughs> 
she sat up and the sensation stopped and she saw a shadow of a man no. wearing wearing a top hat run out of the room and down the hallway. <gasps> Stop! Wait, okay. Huh. First of all, I'm already freaked out. I love ghost stories. Second of all, why are ghosts so fond of top hats? Yeah, like formal wear. Because the 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 <laughs> ghost that my brother said he saw sat sit on his bed every night, and then our next door neighbor's son also said he saw. Ten years after my brother had been a child of the same age, mm-hmm. so there's no way that they were just like kids talking. Also wore a hat, yeah, but like a bowler hat. And all the ladies you hear wear like old timey dresses and. I mean, there's got to be some funky, like, 70s ghosts, right? That's what I'm wondering. Like, where's the ghost with the afros and bell bottoms? Exactly. Why May- were there just so many ghosts during the antebellum period? Right. <laughs> what is going on? The Gilded Age. <laughs> That's the real question here. That's the true mystery. Okay. Let me see. Samantha experienced some deep, heavy breathing in her right ear. Oh. And then it turned out that her whole family had, had experienced it at the <gasps> same moment. No! Yes. Oh, my God. As soon as that wasn't scary, and then when <laughs> the last one, I got super scared. And then they ended up hearing that there was a man who hung himself in the barn outside. No, no, no. And no, why do people no, always no, hang no. themselves in barns? Is it because of the beams? Yeah. Oh. I say, yeah, just like. convenient. Dude, this is fucked up. Sarah, can't. I can't. I am freaking out. I love love scary stories i mean we've talked about it before but it's worth re-mentioning mm-hmm. have you had a ghost experience i'm trying you know and then i keep trying to think back of maybe i did have something no i haven't had anything just everybody around me has mm-hmm. my what brother, if you're a ghost it's like six cents over here sense. and you've been dead the whole time no because my husband pinched me with his toe the other day and it really hurt so if i were a ghost i probably would have felt it well, what maybe not my God, if I find out this, you've been dead the whole time. Is that why I can't get pregnant? Maybe. I'm really dead. You're dead inside, all of you. I look great for uterus. dead. You do look great for dead. Thanks, Suze. <laughs> do I hear a real creepy fact? Of course, yes. Like, this may be one of the creepiest facts I've ever read to you. Mm. In 2014, two books at Harvard University were found to be bound using human skin. No. Like the librarians were going through the archives, discovered two books. Somebody did research on where these books came from. Fucking made of skin. Ew, at Harvard. (laughs) Ew, ew, ew. (laughs) That makes you wonder how many other skin books are out there. It did not make me wonder that. Makes me wonder that. Careful what you're checking out. Why? Might be made of skin. Doesn't skin, as we learned about in the earlier story, decompose? Well, I think if you preserve it the right way, the same way you can tan like leather, Mm -hmm. that you can skin something and make, uh, hello, haven't you seen a movie where he wears the skin and the... Yeah, a movie. (sighs) Sons of Lambs. Yeah. Yeah. And like every scary movie. They're always making like... Skin suits. Skin suits. Oh my God, I'm so freaked out right now. Wonder, wait, what book was it though? Freaking out. What if it were oh the my Holy God. Bible? I was going to get that. Or Dante's Inferno. Harry Potter. What? <laughs> Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Let's just start naming books. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Learning about creepy facts is just like... We don't know what book it was, though. I don't um, like that. I can, uh, I can look it up. I'll try to do some, some digging and find out what book that was. But 
I mean, it's probably something... Oh, I don't know. I like this ghost story. Tell me. Submitted by our friend Beth. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, her grandmother died, and she told the dad, if you ever sell any of my stuff, I'll come back to haunt you. <laughs> and so then she did. We sold her car, and we were in the living room packing up her things when the lamp started to flicker, her chair was rocking, and her cell phone started making beeping noises. That's funny. I like... See, now there's a modern ghost that knows how... Like, yeah. I like that. You want to fuck with me, fuck oh, with my you phone. Wanna, you want to... Oh, you want to sell my shit? That's so unreasonable. I know. That really is. What are we supposed to do with it, Grams? Yeah. Nobody wants your damn doilies. Or your broken down Toyota Camry. You know that's what it was. In tan. Because nobody buys tan cars. What comedian says that joke? <laughs> Some comedian out there who said nobody buys tan cars, they just get given to you. I did see that. <laughs> who says that? That's so, so true. true. <laughs> Cause who's gonna be like, you know what, I'll take the tan. I'll take the tan. That's really funny. <gasps> oh, God. And also my grandma drove a tan Camry, but she bought it. So that's that story. Right. So maybe old people. Yeah, that's it. They tend to to, to drive, um, what are those cars that old people drive, those big? I thought you were going to say Oldsmobiles. Not Lincolns. Are they Lincolns? Oldsmobiles. No. <laughs> I mean, they that too. Maybe I'm thinking. It's uh, a Lincoln. Yeah, they drive those. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see. What else? There were a lot of these. Ooh. In France, it's legal to marry a dead person. Mm-hmm. What? I don't know. I don't know. That sounds made up. <laughs> well, let's see. France, legal marriage. You did make dead. that up, and now you're checking it. I No, legal I... Legal marriage dead? Is that what you typed in to your Google search? Yes. <laughs> That's silly. Uh... France is currently the world's capital for post-humous matrimony. Can you legally marry a dead person? If for whatever reason you long to wed someone who's already departed for the great beyond, your local government might be just willing to oblige, depending on where you live, if you meet certain criteria. France is currently the world's capital for this. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, it's called post-humous marriage. I hate I never that heard there's that. a name for it. Yeah, or necrophilia necrogamy. Like polygamy, necrogamy, oh. necrogamy, <laughs> polygamy, necrogamy. Yeah. Right. I guess that's how you would say it. Yeah. I'm never going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was okay. funny. Uh, okay. Since. A lot of people saw like grandma-ish old ladies in their field of vision, but they would not leave like the ghost would just sit there and stare at them what okay but then when they turn their head they go away and then when they like if they look away or close their eyes and think about it and then when they'd open they'd hope it was gone and it wasn't she wasn't oh i I mean that and these stories all have similar things you know i think it's also i'm starting to think Mm -hmm. well no i'm not starting to think this I mean, we even discussed this in class that there are certain cultures and certain people who hold certain religious beliefs, especially about the parting of loved ones, and they report seeing the deceased often. Right. Like that happens 
a lot in certain cultures yeah. where that is just something that it's almost like a way that they say goodbye to you and it's reported and we don't know if it really happens or if it's just something that's been conditioned by people to believe that it's going to happen. So then you kind of, kind of like the Troxler effect that we talked about in a yes. previous episode, that your mind thinks it's going to see that, yeah. so it kind of creates that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, the closest thing I can think of to being haunted by my grandma was when the bird was in my house right. for two days, and there was not a single door or window open. Yeah, that was weird. I swear to God that happened. No, I believe you. No window and no door. Where'd that open. bird go, though? Well, I picked it up and let it outside. And now, every now and then, a bird will land very close to me, like on the door of my car when I'm getting into the car. And it's always when I think I need to go. There's something I need to do that's a a good act towards somebody. Hmm. Like go out of my way to help somebody. It's like I see a little bird. It's like my grandma going, yeah, yeah. You should definitely go help that family over there. Hmm. And my grandma was the queen of caring for others. Well, that is a very nice ghost. Really nice ghost. She, like, wants me to help people. So she's like Casper. Yeah, she's, like, haunting me to be altruistic. <laughs> That's the best kind of haunting. Really? I'm for it. And then sometimes I'm annoyed by it. I'm like, oh, Grandma, I don't have time to go talk to this family about ways that they can, you know, find affordable housing. But I did. Um, I'm going to tell you another one. Ooh, okay. This is uh, from Carrie, and she said that... She bought a home and, uh, you know, there were weird things Mm -hmm. that happened. And then one evening she heard a man's voice and she was so scared she called 911. And the police came and cleared the house with guns and found nothing. And she was humiliated. But, like, that's how convinced she was. was Yeah, she's convinced. And so. Oh, my God, what did he say? What was the man's voice Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I want to know. So then. um, Because what if he was saying mean things right i don't know if she could understand but then she told her neighbor and the neighbor said the woman who originally owned the house mrs martin had committed suicide in the home's basement 20 years prior and domestic violence trying to get out of it you say that yeah that's what it sounds like yes that is exactly right Mm -hmm. and that her husband was and her husband has shown up since then to people in the house, this mm. guy with the bulbous nose. Oh my god! And oh, a bulbous flam- nose. So he was an alcoholic. alcoholic. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, psychic. Wait, <sighs> I mean, it runs in the family. No, no, I don't think I'm psychic. I just think the, it's so it's predictable. Odd. Like, like there's a people think that everybody is so different and all, but there are. I mean, we are, but there's also so so much that is just how it is. What's funny to me, by the way, I forget if I told you, I think I did tell you this, how I solicited for these yeah. stories and forgot to tell Delia, and that's the email address that, that I oh, no, told them Delia to send. Oh, no, Delia got all the ghost stories. And she couldn't figure out why all of a sudden everyone was sending Oh, her poor ghost. thing. And she's like a going to church, and she probably doesn't even, ce- she probably celebrates the harvest, and we're sending her ghost stories. And she said that, like... She would write back to them before she found out why, and she'd be like, it's so funny that you sent this because they have chosen some ghost spooky books for Halloween for their book club. (laughs) And then she said that she got 13 emails, (gasps) which she thought was especially spooky. And October 13th, Friday the 13th, (gasps) is this next week? This week? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I'm flying on an airplane. Okay. 
Um, but the good news about the Mrs. Martin suicide story was that this homeowner, uh, Carrie, made a sacred space for Mrs. Martin in the basement. Oh, my gosh. Nice. That's really smart. Nice. I think that that's how you get rid of your ghost. It, she not said get that, rid of it, but just that, give the she ghost. She hasn't had an incident Yeah, since. you got to acknowledge it. Look, at I'm talking like this is like a real thing. If my mother <laughs> were here, she would say that you have to do that, and that is a way to get that fucking A. Before we go on, mm-hmm. let's talk about something that isn't spooky at all. Or what? <laughs> Our new bed sheets. Oh, getting a good Although night's sleep. ghosts are like bed sheets. I don't know. Oh, I got nothing. Well, like they wear bed sheets? <laughs> Listen, these are not sheets you're going to want to take off and cut two holes in to make exactly. eyes. In fact, take your old crummy bed sheets that you have on your bed right now and be a ghost this Halloween. Cut eye holes in those. Yes. And then go to Brooklyn and, and get yourself some new ones that you're really going to love sleeping you on. You saved me. I know I did. It's the, the first time that I didn't have a segue. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Brooklinen has the best sheets. We love our Brooklinen sheets. If you try these sheets, we know you'll love them too. Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code BRAINCANDY at Brooklinen.com. In fact, Brooklinen is so confident you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. There's no reason not to give these sheets a try. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BRAINCANDY at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BRAINCANDY. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. And not spooky. <laughs> you want to hear a creepy story? Yeah. So my uh, husband's father, my father-in-law, mm-hmm. him and his wife and their two kids used to live in a old house in new hampshire beautiful old house an old 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 and you know like those like they have them out on the east coast they're i don't know it's probably like i don't know 100 years old or whatever but the that's beside the point doesn't even matter how old the house is for this story now i'm just rambling the (laughs) the next door neighbors the mom they they moved out and the the like my family moved out and the next door neighbors like the next month it was a murder suicide. Mm. The mom, are you ready for this one? Yeah. Killed her kids and then killed herself. Oh my God. And the dad was suspected to be in the Russian mob. And I am also convinced that it was a dire situation oh, where he man. was beaten the heck. She never left the house. They were like, it was really scary. This is terrible news. I know. So I bet that house is being haunted. So somebody should make a safe space for that lady. And right, the kids in that's the basement. thing. People have a lot of work to do. I'm sorry to share that story, but it's fucking true. That's okay. Okay, so I wanted to do the spooky edition of mm. our new feature, Badass Bitches. Badass Bitches through history. But they're super spooky through <laughs> history. <laughs> so I thought it would be fun. And Sarah thought it would be fun if yes. we focused on somebody who's especially spooky and also a badass bitch. Yes. I love who we picked. Tell them. We picked Elvira. Elvira. Mistress of the night. Giddy up, giddy up. Do you remember that song? Elvira. No. It's from the 70s it's like or 80s. It's terrible. Uh, but I like that. Tell me why. So Elvira, is it Mistress of the Dark? Or what is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Mistress of the Dark. Let me Something uh, like that. Uh-huh. We want uh, Sarah's in charge of telling us 
facts about Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Well, I'll tell you one. Did you know that she is, uh, first of all, this was one crazy one that I can't believe. She had, she was a burn, she was burned when she was a child by hot water that scorched, like she says, two thirds of her body. And that she was really ashamed of that and hid a lot of that part. And she even joked she did an interview uh, back in, I think it was 2014 or so, where she said, yeah, the Elvira costume showed only the good parts, like accentuated the good parts. Hey, baby, she had some great teats. Cassandra Peterson was her name, and she was born on September 17th. Is her name. Yeah. She's not dead. (laughs) She's undead. (gasps) Ooh, I love that, Seuss. Born in 1951. And uh, she's also, um, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, vegetarian and is a big PETA supporter. No, which is funny that is really considering funny. she's like mistress of, you know, yes. the night and the, the darkness. Day. Mistress of the dark is like yes. I think the official title. Well, you know what I like about her and why, I don't know, I thought she'd be a good spotlight badass bitch is because... I really love when people can commodify themselves Mm -hmm. in a way that's unique. I mean, this woman has made an entire career out of Halloween. And I... I don't know how old how old is she now? Well, she's born in fifty one, so she's gotta be just under seventy. So she's almost seventy years old. And looking fantastic, might I add. Looking fantastic. And then like emerges every Halloween season for like probably events and then sometimes on T V and stuff. And it's just a, such a hoot. Mm-hmm. I love when women are funny about sexy stuff. Because yes. she's very sexy, very beautiful, but like there's always like a tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, and she's in on the joke. Yes. It's great because she's the one who's in charge of the portrayal of this, like her, her own, own sexuality. Yeah, she is the driver. She is in the seat and she's driving that rather than being, you know... Commodified. commodified by somebody else. Yeah, no, she's just like, hey, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to be the princess of dark or whatever. Yes. Mistress of dark and like just does it. And it's kind of cool whenever people are really into Halloween and gothy stuff. Like I would never oh, do that. Oh, thank goodness. Like, you eat, like that. Yes, Tuesday sacrifice here. <laughs> I would never do that, but I'm intrigued by people because it's usually smart people. It's usually people that are thoughtful and intelligent. Well, thank you. Well, I think so. Huh. I, pfft, that does not speak well for my neighborhood. <laughs> Why? Because this is the first Halloween I've spent. I moved in in November of last year, so this is the first time I've been there for Halloween. Oh, yeah. I thought people would go all, all out, out like they did for Christmas. No, no, no. Please tell me you are. Oh, oh, I have yet to put up the picture of my front porch just Wait, I found a skeleton <laughs> version of Sigmund. I skeleton love that. I French saw bulldog. That on your it's so freaking cute. Yeah. And then Landon and I found these Landon and I I found these amazing skeleton wolves that are howling at the moon and we put them out. Oh, when you see the picture, my entire front yard is a skeleton like not really a graveyard, but like a house that skeletons live at. I really love skeleton that. stuff everywhere. It's so cool. I can't wait to put a picture. You live up. in a haunted mansion. Yes, it's like, and I went like gothicy, like romantic. Yeah. Also, you know, high end, blah like blah that. blah. But skeletons and evil darkness. <laughs> I, I love really it. love that. Only house on my block, dressed, decorated. On the other hand, well, you don't have a kid, so you won't find out. But I'd be interested to know how many people on your block are giving out full size bars. 
a lot come to my that's hood. what i'm saying because mm-hmm. it's that's the way they show people up it's like oh yeah well we got yeah. full-size twix or whatever yeah that's totally it which you know, you know i'll take that but see i don't really want that because i'm into Uh-oh. the bite bite-sized i don't know what i you're just saying. want I don't, to i don't know maybe this is our second fight is this another fight because who would prefer less candy? Because I like only having a little bit of a variety of things. Not, I don't want to be locked in. I can't just, if I just have a whole Twix bar, I'm only eating a Twix bar, and then there's no room for some delicious Junior Mints. Sarah, there's no set. Do you know what? <laughs> okay. Susie looks really upset with me, like more <laughs> upset when we got about, talked about the last name thing, so I'm ready. <laughs> the, the idea that something is fun size when it is miniature is disgusting to me. At there is nothing what? fun about portion control. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I think to differ. I think Because you're up. saying well, I'd rather have a lot of a of little. little. <laughs> so what I'm saying I'd rather have a lot of a lot. Mm, that's true. <laughs> you could still mm, have a variety. No, but I get tapped out especially on like Halloween candy. You can't eat it's not you can't eat I'm sick after a whole chocolate bar, yeah. but I am not sick after three fun-sized pieces of candy that are a variety of flavors. What's your favorite Halloween oh my candy? God, I knew you were going to ask that, and I knew I was going to She's just, just panicked over I'm panicked. Because my first instinct is to say Butterfinger, because that's the one that I would never buy in regular life, because I know it's the one that's like the worst for you, and I just feel like Why it's rotting it my teeth. Why is it the worst? Look it up. Butterfinger is not, a, is not a good for you. Well, first of all, there's no candy that's like good for you. But of the candy that is the highest in sugar and... You know, all that other stuff. I think Butterfinger rates high up there. And it also gets stuck in your teeth a lot. But I love it. And it doesn't age well. Like, if you get a stale (gasps) one. I feel the same way about Milk Duds. They're great until you bite into a bad one. Ruins the whole box. Mm -hmm. My favorite is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. You seem... I I know that. I already know. Because it's in your basket. It's in your chopped basket of when you're going to, like... If you were a chopped basket, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are in there. Because they're salty and sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. But you don't like them? I'm okay. You know what I like better are the bites because there's a better chocolate to peanut butter ratio. Stop oh my gosh, she just rolled my I your bites. <laughs> Who are these monsters? Oh my god, you're right. I chose a little candy again. <laughs> Who are the monsters giving out goddamn gummies and sour stuff? Mm. Well, Nobody the sour wants... stuff I'm okay with, but the gummies you can just throw in the trash. And you know what you can do with your freaking circus peanuts? Oh. Shove them right up your A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there was a, a older couple at the end of the block. He ended up having Alzheimer's and oh, he oh, would wander geez. the street. This it was really sad. <laughs> but before that... <laughs> he ended that, up wandering the street. That happened a lot. We would always catch him and be like, Christ. oh, you got to Mr. Greer, you got to go back home. Uh, but... They were the couple that gave out fucking raisins. That is unacceptable. And no fruit. No. You know what you can do with or your don't, fruit? And it, dentists out there, don't give out toothbrushes. We all know where to buy one. You know what? <laughs> you know what I think is a good alternative? If you're that type, that you could get from like Oriental Trading Company. Oh. The glow sticks. Yeah. And like fun. Fun little Glowy things. like Yeah, if Halloween you don't want to give stuff. out candy because sometimes I'm like, I don't want to give out. Yeah. 
Oriental you know, trading, you can buy them in Oriental bulk. Oriental trading is a great place to go for that stuff. You can get bouncy balls, googly eyes, some slime. Yeah. Fake spiders, really vampire teeth. Oh, yeah, definitely. Did you always hate when people gave out chips? Because I loved it. I never got chips. Like Doritos. And never like- once. Never. I've never received a bag of chips. Never, ever in my Halloween. I feel like as a giver-outer of candy, that would take up way too much space. Well, but if you're... Like 10 kids come over, that's your whole bucket. If you are a person that thinks, oh, I'm going to have to eat whatever's left, you oh. try to buy what you like. Yeah, I buy candy. Right, and I buy chips. Oh! I buy like a, a snack size. What are you size. giving out this year? I'll probably get... Well, here's what's annoying. I Nobody know. on the street. Because they go to my neighborhood. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Going to the full size. <laughs> <laughs> All the... My neighborhood's a bunch of bite-sizers. <laughs> I don't know, but this street, Susan, nobody comes. Nobody I had all this candy left last year. I know, but I love it. Think I, I know all of my friends who have children. I will strategically visit the right houses after Halloween uh, that are home to children that don't like chocolate. And I know all those friends. That's funny. I'm like, okay, I'm going to Corey's house. Then I'm going to Mariana's house. You know, I was wondering, I saw the, on your Insta story that you got that skeleton made of segment or like, yeah. <laughs> not made of segment. I was like, is that like the creepy <laughs> skin book? <laughs> I'm just trying to segue into the bark box situation. Uh, okay? That's perfect. You could say something like, so do you think skeleton Sigmund needs some skeleton toys? <gasps> Drop the ball. Yeah, well, I'm here for you to pick it up. Okay, so do you guys have dogs? If you do, you should order BarkBox. I'm a subscriber. Tell them what you love about it. Oh, well, first of all, I've been, I've been a BarkBox subscriber for a long time. I think Sigmund is more, well, obviously he's more excited than I am <laughs> because he gets this stuff. But he knows when it's a day that it comes. And the, I think the best thing about BarkBox is that they are smart toys for your dogs. They're not just toys and treats that are... I don't know, like the generic stuff you get in the grocery store. It really feels like the thought and consideration is put into the toys. My dog goes nuts for the toys that That's because really they're designed. Cute. I don't know if it's the shape or the sounds that it makes. They have these really cute ones. I got a little Chinese takeout box that had little dumplings inside. I never introduced him to the game, didn't tell him how it was supposed to work, but he instinctively knew that the goal was to take the dumplings out of the box and then I just fill him back up and throw it to him and he takes him out of the box again and we have this fun little game. It's the greatest. That's really cute. Yeah. When you go to BarkBox, you can choose the size of your dog and then you choose a plan. One month, six month or 12 month plans are available. You cancel any time, free shipping. And then you get these bark boxes shipped to your door and your dog loses his, his or her mind. And they're always themed, which is my favorite. So go to, uh, okay, for a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash candy when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan. So you get an extra box, which yeah. is nice. Um, and let's face it, your dog will thank you. My dog had a beer pong cup. That was the cutest one they sent. In the what? Fr- in the fr- they had a college pack that was back to school when school started last month. Yeah. So they're every- always themed. They're the always boxes. themed. So the back to school one had a little guy who's a fraternity guy who made a funny noise. And like I was like, Landon, name somebody that you didn't like at your fraternity and we'll name him that and then throw it to And Landon was like, <laughs> I liked everybody in my fraternity. I'm like, oh, okay. you're lame. <laughs> and then they had a, a beer, po- like a solo cup. And just That's like really the wontons, cute. it was little beer pong balls, but they all had like funny expressions on them. And so he knew to take the balls out of the beer pong. He still can't get the last one that's at the bottom of You know what? He'll get there. Well, eventually. You know what I think is cool that I've seen some people do? 
is, you know, this movement where you paint your pumpkin teal to show that you're giving out candy that's peanut free and um, like safe for people with allergies and stuff Oh, that's a good thing to do. Yeah. You put a teal pumpkin on your porch. And then that's how... Oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, that kind of makes me think maybe we should do different color pumpkins for other things too. Like, <laughs> like what? Oh, I don't know. It just makes me think like... Uh, I'm trying to think of like, why not if Halloween... I just... Any time that you can incorporate a little good into any holiday, you know, like certain... I don't know. It's really I'm, nice. I'm trying to think like maybe you can say like, oh, well, we have a... Uh, purple pumpkin and we take all of our leftover candy and donate it to this organization i don't fucking know whatever i'm like just it. trying to do nice things you know what sarah you can quit yelling right now <laughs> <laughs> um okay so we have a guest today yes oh my god i'm so excited about this Woo! you should be this guest is caleb wild mm-hmm. and he is a funeral director okay now you always say that we're slaves to our last name <laughs> that is True. the perfect name yes because you have kind of a wild job. Yes. He wrote a book called Confessions of a Funeral Director. And he has a blog also where he writes about his work. And he talks about how dealing with death saved his life. That's great. What is awesome is, first of all, you should read this book. It was one of my favorites probably ever. Wow. Whoa. It combined everything I love, which is... He answered all the questions I would want to know about, like, the day-to-day yeah. logistics of being a funeral director, autopsies, and, like, stuff you just... Because you know you want to know about Yeah, that. like, just without being gory, he yeah. just said, here's my job. Yeah. If a baby dies, here's <gasps> what I have to do. Oh, my God. Okay. I have to know. I have okay. to read this. Okay, I will tell you because... Tell it, us, we don't talk please. about it in the interview. Okay, tell because us. Because in the book, he describes how when he got a call for a little baby... The baby had died by, um, his parents had had a Christmas party the day before and the baby was crawling around and picked up a candy wrapper and just choked <gasps> on it. Right? Oh. Tragic. Freak accident. Tragic. The, oh my God. Oh just, my God. They found him. Just this really, sh- you have to. It's terrible. This is terrible. Right. So this is his life. Oh my God. So he gets the call. The baby's dead. Oh he has God. to go to the hospital. What do you do? You don't bring in... Um, oh, like, Bernie. Right. Right. Okay. No. What do you bring in? Sarah, don't tell me it's like me. a shoebox. It's it's kind of like a toolbox. Oh, that I knew he, you were going to say yeah. that. Yeah. And it's designed so that people don't know oh. because it, he has to walk out with it. Right? Right? It's horrifying. But... He's doing a service, and yeah. it's such an important it's job. Mo- it's so important. And it's necessary. We, it is. Well, I'm not going to do like that. It's like, and what would you do? What, what, and what do you... The parents aren't, aren't able to do anything. The doctors are... That's too much. Yeah. You needed to be a kind of person who goes in who and that's your that job. It's a service. It's a service, and you do your job, and you have and to he, do it. And what I love and about him is that he honors... He switched... Yeah. From a negative, a death negative point of view, which is what caused him to go into a deep depression, to a death positive view. And he describes that in the book, and I'll let him talk about that in the interview. But when you deal with things like this, where you go and you have to pick up a baby who's, who's deceased mm-hmm. and put it in a box and take it back to, to handle the services or whatever, that you have to be a, a special kind of person and find a way mm-hmm. to grapple with 
this tragedy and honor that person's life. And he does such a great job. And here's what's cool. I know that was a heavy thing, but what's cool is he's able to laugh about the funny parts because there are funny parts. Bodies are gross. Bodies make funny noises all the time. Bodies are gross. Death is weird. We have fluids. We have, we, I mean, let me just say, I asked him what he keeps in the trunk of his (gasps) car. Oh, 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 oh. this is the best. So it's not all dark. It's not all heavy. Oh, I'm so excited. And in the interview, it's not like there is no trigger warning thing. What I just said was the worst, Mm. you know, story Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. the book because any kind of youngster dying is like the worst thing you could Mm -hmm. think of. But the interview, we touch upon the serious stuff, but we also talk about the more irreverent sides of it. And that's what I like about Caleb is that. He's going to go there, and he's not afraid to talk about this all of it. I can't wait. It's probably, it's one of my favorite interviews ever, because how often do you get to talk to a funeral director and be like, let's hear it. Right. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Caleb Wild. I am so excited. You, Caleb, welcome, by the way, are my uh, October book club pick, Confessions of a Funeral Director, How Ooh. the Business of Death Saved My Life. I am super, super excited to talk to you. Your book was fantastic. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. (laughs) Well, one of the elements of the book that really struck me that probably people in your industry or other, uh, like the medical field know about, but I just had never thought about, was it something you call compassion fatigue? And I wondered if you could describe what that is like. Yeah, so compassion fatigue for me started about a year into working at the funeral home full time. Up until that point, I had been in and around it. I'd seen my dad struggle. Of course, I'm a sixth generation funeral director, so I've uh, seen a number of my family members walk through this business. And we've each coped in a different way. And uh, it was kind of a surprise when I found myself being emptied from the business. And I think it it empties you from multiple sources. So for me, it was seeing death constantly. It was the framing that I had of death. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was dealing with, you know, grief kind of makes people, um, it's an entirely different culture. And so you're almost like a cultural anthropologist as a funeral director. When you walk into a family, you're trying to figure out the dynamics of what you're walking into. And there was a number of things that just drained me to the place where I wasn't having the compassion that I knew that I needed to have as a funeral director. And it took me a little bit to figure that out. It took me a little bit to figure out that I was depressed uh, that I was nearing burnout and uh, eventually started to have some suicidal ideation. And you say in the book um, that, quote, it wasn't my closeness to death destroying me. It was how I viewed it. And I thought that was so poignant of you to and self-aware to even know what sort of the cause was. What What did you feel at that time was wrong with the way you viewed it or unhelpful. Yeah, I I wasn't able to see the good. I just didn't have the lenses for it. I didn't have the perspective for it. 
the narrative that I think most of us are given. And you'd think that being a funeral director's son and grandson, that maybe I would have a better narrative. And uh, it, it just wore on me. So the narrative that I was given was something that it was entirely negative and there was no redeeming value. Um, and so I started to try to find the beauty. I started to try and find the meaning and, uh, it took me about 10 years to reframe it, but yeah, it, it was, I've heard before, uh, the quote ideas have consequences, but narratives define our lives. Hmm. Uh, and so for me, it was a death negative narrative where I just didn't see anything good in death. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And one of the things that you describe is what this is one of the cool things about the book is that there's this important component about, you know, the themes of life and death and redemption and really big ideas, but you also, you know, describe the day-to-day life of someone in your field. And you describe how typically when you go to a nursing home, you're kind of backdoored and you're like, a, it's almost like a shame where you're coming to remove uh, a body, uh, someone who's passed away and but nobody's allowed to see you and it's this whole big weird thing for you but that once you went and there was an honor walk where the the deceased person was honored by the entire nursing home and it was really special and beautiful and that was such a beautiful story to share and i'm wondering if you have any insight on why the heck we don't do more of that yeah i i have no idea i was just actually uh, was filming a little series for my book on death spirituality. And I took my video camera out to a local hospital and it amazes me. It continues to amaze me as I was recording, but the entrance to the morgue door is right next to the trash can. And that Mm. is consistent for every hospital that I've ever visited. And I'm not saying that the hospital is, Their policy is is entirely wrong, obviously. It'd be disturbing if we took the body out the front door at a hospital. But even in our design of how we exit death, underlying the design is some type of shaming or some type of negativity that Mm -hmm. we have around our dead. So instead of finding a way to honor the deceased, We've unfortunately brought them out the door that's right next to the trash uh, and the garbage disposal, and it's uh, it's sad. I and I, you know, there's there's a number of reasons I think that we do that. 
But the main one for me goes back to that narrative is that we've just not been able to find the good in death because we have this death negative narrative that um, doesn't see anything redeeming in the, the dying and the dead. But yeah, it's 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 kind of funny. Like we're kind of like ninjas, you know. We we go through the hallways and the nursing homes, and we're trying to hide our faces. And all the nurses are go- going through shutting the doors as we come through. And uh, you know, I'm trying to. I've got dress shoes on, which are loud, so I'm walking on my tiptoes and trying not to click with the back of my heels and uh, I finally make it there. And all all the nursing home residents were always like, hey, you know, there's somebody young and in a suit and the older ladies are, are kind of flirtatious, you know, and oh my God. they're they're fine with it. Everybody's <laughs> fine with it at the nursing home who is a resident. Um, it's the rest of us, you know, the rest of us who uh, aren't as close to death that have this uh, problem or we just aren't comfortable with our own mortality. We're not comfortable with embracing uh, the finality of life. And uh, so we do our best to hide it. Well, I mean, that whole process is fascinating for people who had no idea how it works. But it's just, it feels a little bit backwards. And you you do talk about how, like at funeral services, pastors will often, you know, bend over backwards to try to create a story of redemption and, and hope about the, the person who's died. And, you know, nobody's ever saying like, this guy's <laughs> come to the, the big lake, yeah. and, you know, a fire, they yeah. have to, you know, try to find the silver lining to it. But do you think that that's their attempt at making it a more positive thing? Or is it just a necessary part of the job? What are they going to do? Yeah, so I think uh, I I think that's a big can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> I love worms. Come on, <laughs> I like worms too. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that the idea of heaven is a huge play, especially how pastors deal with it. I think heaven is the way that many of us cope with not confronting death yeah so instead of having to look our mortality uh square in the face and learning how to gain life from that mortality i think too often uh, we use heaven as a way to kind of skip over that hard part Mm -hmm. um and for preachers especially um heaven is the the solace that they that they give away at funerals. And I'm not saying that I don't believe in heaven. I really don't know what I believe. And I don't know that I feel like I have the authority because I've never died. So I can't say one way or another if it exists or if it doesn't. But I do know that it's too often abused and it keeps us from finding the life and death. Well, you say in the book that you wanted to find a spirituality that wouldn't collapse with the removal of heaven. And you described uh, one step or perhaps the first step was being comfortable with silence. Yeah. Why? Tell me about that. Well, I think that for the most part, the way that we uh, cope with death 
is with words. So we always are looking for answers. And I see this a lot at the funeral home or even when we're in the grieving line, you know, we, we go to a visitation or a viewing and we come around and it's our turn to greet the family. We're always looking to comfort with a saying. And that's not necessarily wrong, but too often we're looking for answers and we're looking uh, for ways to console ourselves with death. And I think that the the best way is to learn to be comfortable in the silence. Uh, we're a society that loves answers. And that's not a fault. That's a, that's a good thing. But there's some things in life where there isn't answers. Mm. There's some mm. things in life where our best uh, posture is silence. And we don't really know that those places exist where the, the right posture is silence because we're so bent on getting answers. And so when it comes to death, I think that if we take that mentality where everything has an answer and we need an answer and we apply it to death, we're only going to end up hurting those who are grieving and we're only going to end up hurting ourselves because death is that great space that's provided in life where we can sit in silence and where we can allow that silence to speak to us and to, uh, you know, of course it sounds like I'm a Buddhist teacher here. Um, you kind of are I'm, though. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not meaning to sound like this is some ethereal spirituality. You know, this comes from me seeing a lot of people yeah. who have learned to embrace the silence of death and uh, allowed that to, uh, turn towards introspection. Uh, you know, the, the inner part of who we are and stop me if I, I'm talking too much, but I, I don't think we cultivate that inner person because we're so used to go, 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 go and do, 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 do. And, and we have deadlines and we have get the kids to the soccer game and get dinner on the table and, um, this and that, that, uh, cultivating the inner person there's very few spaces that allows for that but death is one of those well and you mention a few different times in the book instances where there's been a death and for some one reason or another there's sort of a scene being made by the family or at the funeral and instead of seeing those moments as a burden for you, because it kind of gets in the way of you doing your job often, um, you talk about how those are the moments where you feel that spirituality the most because people aren't looking at their phones and they're in that moment, even if it's painful, they're in it. And yeah. we're in it together and as this collective, whoever is in the room. And yeah. I thought that was a really cool way to think about it because i sure wouldn't if i had your job i'd be like get these clowns out of here and yeah. let me do my yeah. job but yeah. you don't yeah. seem to feel that way yeah 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 so like i it, you know it's kind of its own different culture when somebody dies uh and grief can make people do some funny things some sad things uh, you know, we've pulled people out of caskets because um, oh they've they've jumped in. Um, uh, but 
and you know, I, I'm, we've had people chase after the hearse as we've no. uh, gone to the house. Um, so definitely yes. some funny things, you know, just the other day I had somebody ask me if, uh, I could pull out the gold teeth from her husband. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, for yeah. like to hawk or to save? Yeah, to hawk. No. Yeah, she's like, and I kid you not, she said, we can split it. She said, the money that I made, <laughs> you can't. What did you say? I I said, well, I thankfully I was prepared and I was like, <laughs> I, you know, and I, when I, somebody tells me something like that, I validate, validate, validate. I'm like, I know you're in a difficult place financially, or I know you need this money or whatever. Um, but I also know that the gold they use for teeth fillings is like an amalgamation and it's hardly worth anything. So, um, (laughs) thankfully she accepted that and I didn't have to yank teeth out, which (laughs) I I don't think I wouldn't have done anyways. But you Um, could have split it. I know, right? I, mean, so I could great. have a new pair of shoes that are quieter when I ninja tiptoe. Right, down problem solved. Yeah. Wow, that's um, so. See, that's the thing. Like, that's why your book is so great because it deals with those bizarre moments, but in a way that elevates them to like, this is what we're all going through. Let's talk about it. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. You also do a great job of trying, I guess, I don't know if it was your intention, but I feel like you made pe- made people, like, it's okay to grieve. Like, that idea of you're not, you're not sick with grief, you're healthy with grief. I thought that was so yeah. important because people often seem to want to get rid of it because it hurts yes. so bad. But you mm. almost say, like, to make peace with it. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't believe in closure. Uh, what? You know, Did you say that in the book? I, I, I do, yeah. I, I don't do. remember that. You're kidding me. Tell me why. That's terrible. Yeah. I don't. Now, I believe in adjustment. <laughs> adjustment. I think we adjust. Oh, yeah, I do remember you said that now. Um, but <laughs> closure, I don't know that we ever stop loving somebody who's died. Yeah. Um, and so there's always going to be some grief and there's always going to be some pain. Now, it it changes and it evolves through time and through our reflection. Uh, but as long as there lo- there's love, I don't think that closure ever happens. And maybe it's just the way that I'm defining the terms. Mm. Uh, but uh, and I think we should be OK with that. Um, you know, who I feel like. I can get how they want, you know, when people, there's a missing person and then they just want to know one way or the other. What about that? Yeah. I can see why they would need quote closure in that way. What do you think? Can we agree on that? (laughs) Yeah. Oh God. I can't even, I've often thought of that. Um, like losing somebody and not being it like the Natalie holiday thing. Oh yeah. Girl, Holloway. Yeah. Holloway, uh, Aruba or wherever she was kidnapped, uh, or murdered and they have no idea. Like how do the parents, how do they exist? Right. And I, I would be, yes. In that, in that case, closure is a must. I mean, I would have to know, right. uh, what happened to my daughter and, uh, 
would want to see justice. Um, I guess who was it? James Van Dirk or I forget the guy's Van name. Vandersloot. Wow, you have a. a, <laughs> I a, like a, true crime. Yes, <laughs> that's him. Yeah, and I guess it, you know they don't. They don't have justice. Um, so that's definitely different. Yeah. All right. I'm glad I got you to come around on that one because you deal with yeah. people who know for sure their person has died, and so that's yes. different. Okay. Um, yeah. I. Do you think what is your deal though? Are you going to quit the family business? No. <laughs> I've I thought about it a lot. I, I feel like you it's are. Kind of like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a midlife crisis every other day. <laughs> You're just taking inventory of what you're doing and trying to figure out what's the healthiest for everybody. Um, But I've gotten better. And Mm. I think that the reframing of death has been the key. Mm. Being able, like, for instance, um, and here's a short little story. Uh, The other day we had a, a man in his 40s overdose from heroin and that's happening a lot. My God, heroin is awful. Um, and the family came in. They were first generation uh, from Mexico. Uh, they didn't have any finances um, because he's young. They, you know, you're not preparing for that. Mm-hmm. And we always work with people um, when, they, when they, they don't have finances, but they decided to have a cremation. Uh, but they still wanted to view him. So we, what I did was, well, you know, I can, we'll do the best to make something positive out of this and we'll have a private viewing. We don't have to embalm him. We'll make him look uh, the best that we can and invite anybody that you want. So the next day, generally, you know, we have like five or 10 people. The next day, about 60 to 100 people show up for this private little makeshift service at the funeral home. Uh, And... Five years ago, I might have been a little bit annoyed, you know, because I'm on a schedule. I'm on uh, I have other people coming in throughout the day and I have 50, 60, 70, 80 people show up at the funeral home and I didn't expect it. Uh, Now that I've reframed things, I saw the good in it. Hmm. So I was like the preacher came and this family like they were Pentecostal. So it was a big part of their lives. And I said, well, why don't you guys just have a service? I'll shut the door in the chapel. You guys can have a service. And it was beautiful. I stayed in the back as long as I could. And I watched, uh, and it was a wonderful thing. And I don't think I would have made that suggestion five years before, but because I was looking for those spaces where beauty could happen in death, I was looking for those spaces where community could happen in death. I saw the opportunity and, uh, and it was good. Like I felt good afterwards. The family felt good and I'm at a better place because I've reframed my perspective on death. And I thought that story, you know, it just happened to, like I said, not too long ago, kind of reframed that even though it was tragic and, it was tragic circumstances all around. Uh, we all made the best of it. I love that. And that, dang, I love your book because 
I mean, you follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm the worst and I'm super cynical and, uh, <laughs> it really makes me happy to hear that someone has taken their whole worldview and turned it upside down just by changing the way you think about things. Like your whole yeah. life has changed now. And I'm sure you still have moments where you struggle with all kinds of things as everyone does, but that you can always come back to the way that you've reframed it. That's powerful. You should start a church. <laughs> church of death. The church of death. And its whole thing is like, we don't know. And then like, we just come and talk about how we don't know anything, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, that go. actually sounds good to me. <laughs> That sounds pretty good. You can be an icon right. if you want. We'll, we'll, we'll do a statue. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I just think that your book in a way, like I felt like that's church, what you're describing, the community that you can create in the worst moments. That's church. Mm. Yeah, that's um, profound. Yeah. So, I, and there are so many things in your book that I haven't even gotten to. And so I'll, I'll just have people read it and we'll, our book club will talk about it, but you talk about things like miscarriage and, you know, losing young children and the pain that's distinct about that. And you do it so well. I just, you have such a gift and I'm so glad that you're sharing it with other people. Um, the, cause writing about stuff like that is probably harder than just writing about normal stuff so you do a great job well thank you um Thanks. okay one last thing oh wait two things do you have a minute i have two cups of coffee in me, so <laughs> okay you're good, good okay, to you're go good. um you talk a little bit about whenever you're in the the hearst is it with the pastors and you guys like swap death stories yeah so those are those are like intimate times and it's a funny thing. Is it like a support group type thing or just like venting? How would you describe it? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually a good perspective on it. It kind of is a support group. Yeah. Um, so like on just to give a little context for the listeners. So like on the drive to the cemetery from the funeral home or the church, wherever the service takes place, uh, we generally, bring the pastor along in the hearse or in our lead car and they just open up to us and oftentimes we will do the same so it's like these stories that they would never tell they're kind of <laughs> they're cussing because they're frustrated and you know we're seeing sides of each other that are really good and healthy but also could only take place in a <laughs> cemetery. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it is. I mean, it's cathartic because there's a people who work in human services, um, whether you're working in a emergency room or as a police officer or in the military, there's a lot of stress and it, it's hard to, explain that. And you don't talk about it over dinner with your spouse or your significant other or your friends because it's kind of disturbing. Um, so you look for those places where you can talk about those things and you can find somebody that you can trust to talk about them. So, yeah. I love that. I wish I was there for those chats. Um, and the last thing that we ask everyone, which 
I'm kind of scared to ask you is what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Mm, yeah, <laughs> I have every car that I've ever owned has carried either cremains or a dead body. Wait a I minute. What is cremains? <laughs> That's the cremated remains. So after somebody's cremated, you know, you come back in a little box. And... You call them cremains? <laughs> well, I shouldn't. I, that's what we call them. They should be cremated remains. <laughs> but it's like a short word. You know, we slam the words together and it's cremains. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So say that again. Every car you've ever had, you've kept cremains and what? <laughs> or a dead body has been. So let's oh, see. The God. first car I owned was a a Pontiac station wagon, which absolutely did nothing for my love of life. <laughs> and I had cre- uh, cremated remains in there. The next car was a Subaru Forester. And we had to go during a snowstorm. We didn't have any all-wheel drive, so I had to use that to pick up a body. Um, and now we have a Land Rover, which the same thing. Like We had two feet of snow. Our Suburban wouldn't go. Mm. And our Land Rover did. So we did like two or three removals in that car. Oh, my God. So you, what do you do, wrap them up or what? Yeah, so if you buy a used car from me, (laughs) (laughs) full disclosure. um, Yeah, that's not showing up on the old Carfax report. (laughs) No. (laughs) Alert, dead body. (laughs) That's so Um, crazy. Yeah, no, but what's in the trunk of my car right now is actually, yeah. I, I have a subwoofer in the back of my car. No. I'm that guy. You are I'm not. That, I am that guy. What? I have a subwoofer. Yeah. Wait, what are you listening to? Well, I like the rap. The <laughs> rap. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is so the reason that you like that? Well, I think after a, a stressful day at work, mm-hmm. bass just like loosens up your body. It's cheap yoga. That's interesting. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Bass is cheap yoga. So <laughs> you turn it up, you put something on there that has a nice beat, and it kind of just loosens you up. Wow, that is a good tip and yeah. totally unexpected. <laughs> all right well nobody has ever said that before so the subwoofer is is unique to you and uh now people know that it base is in fact cheap yoga i think so (laughs) thank you so much for talking you're a delight and your book is absolutely fantastic well thank you it was a pleasure I've followed you for a long time, so it was neat to hear your voice in person. <laughs> I'm sorry and I had to turn off the video, and it, I know that's weird. I've been in your shoes, so I'm sorry. But it did yeah. help, so. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did, which is interesting uh, that Skype hasn't, you know, gotten <sighs> know. to the place where it's good enough for video. Right, but I really am glad to meet you and to know you, and you're a, a wonderful human, so keep up the good work. Thank you, Susie. Thanks, Caleb. Have a great day. You too. Bye.